Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us via YouTube. Um, and first and foremost, I just wanted to start out with, uh, for those that may not remember, um, this past Tuesday, June 2nd, was our two-year mark of our very first rooted service. Um, so thank you all so much. I just wanted to thank everyone who has supported this journey and ministry and um, who has given offering and been to service and supported our youth and our leaders. Um, but most importantly, of course, I want to thank God uh, for blessing our church with this ministry and with our youth with these gifts and just amazing leaders and opportunity at this church. So thank you. I can't believe it's already been two years. Um, and I just really hope that Rooted is something that can continue um, for a long time after um, even I graduate or all the younger leaders graduate as well. Um, so, jumping right on into it, today's message, um, I felt God lay on my heart, um, and kind of for a while, and this was probably a message that was brewing for a while, but just wasn't ready to be put on paper yet, and um, that message today is titled, Uninvited. Now, uninvited, when I say that, I mean um, left out, or, you know, feeling as someone is doing something without you. And um, it's a tough feeling. I've personally experienced it. And I understand that that'll probably happen to me again throughout my life. And um, it may be happening to you or may have happened to you. Or maybe it will happen to you because it can happen to people of all ages. And really, if you think about it, um, our entire world has been uninvited from many places for the past several months. Uh, just because of coronavirus guidelines, of course. Um, but yeah, I um, just wanted to kind of dig into this and talk about it because it was something that really affected me. And it wasn't just the thought of, oh, I was uninvited. It was something that made me really question my self-worth, made me question God, um, all those kind of things. I, I remember asking God and asking others, do I just not have a likable personality? Is it something I did wrong? Um, and you constantly start questioning all these things, or at least I know I did. And this was probably something I dealt with for several months, several months of, you know, feeling sad whenever I saw people hanging out without me on social media or sad whenever I heard about it at school the next week um, and just things like that. And so I finally feel um, after several months that God has placed this message on my heart to share with you because I have figured out what um, I've done wrong and ways to deal with it and to grow from it because there's something better after and there always will be no matter what the circumstance is. So I wanted to talk about the two things that I learned um, after being so-called uninvited and um, the first being that some friendships are meant to be seasonal friendships and some or relationships and some are meant to be forever. And seasonal friendships, there's nothing wrong with them. They are people that God puts in our life for a season of time. In this season of time, I'm not talking about fall, winter, spring, and summer. I'm talking a season of grief, a season of new beginning, a season of high school, a season of loneliness, whatever it may be. God thought that you needed that specific relationship in your life for that season of time because he knew that they were going to be the ones to help you grow from it, to learn from it, whatever it may be. So these people, you can't, you know, if you are uninvited or if you um, just lose touch with these relationships or whatever it may be whenever they come to a so-called end, um, is to remember that sometimes they are some of the best relationships. 
And um, they were meant to be in your life. It wasn't just something that was like, oh, we were, it wasn't meant to be. It may not meant to be in the future, but it, God purposefully, intentionally put those people in your life. And um, I've now realized that, that it wasn't um, a mistake. It wasn't anything wrong. It was just a seasonal friendship. And that is 100% okay. And the forever friendships are also okay. Neither one is necessarily better than the other. Um, and that's something that I definitely had to learn and realize. And that was actually something that kind of came up recently. I was listening to a podcast by Sadie Robertson and her sister, and they um, talked about that. And that really hit close to home for me. So I thought I'd share that part. And the second, which is what I'm going to focus most on today, is that my self-worth should never, will never again, and never should have been put in the hands of other people. Now, did I do this knowingly? No. Did the people who may or may not have had my self-worth in their hands know that it was? No, because I didn't tell them that. I personally really didn't realize it until later on, and they didn't tell me that I had to do that. It was just something that I did, and it was, you know, we often do that. We place our self-worth in the hands of the world, and whatever people think of us is what we think of ourselves. Or if I am so worried about what I look like and what other people think of me, then that's going to tear down my self-esteem and my self-worth. Because our self-worth was only ever meant to be placed in the hands of God because he is consistent. He's consistent. He's always there. He's always going to be able to tell us our self-worth because he says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made that we are made in his image. He knit us together. He placed every single hair on our head. He determined the color of our eyes, the width they were apart, the size of our nose, the size of our ears, their height, our weight, whatever it was, God determined it. And he said, it's perfect. He said, you're my favorite creation. And he created the mountains. I don't know if you've ever been to see the mountains or if even at the beach. That is beautiful. It's incredible. God created that. And he also created you, yet he says that you are his favorite creation. And this world needed you in it. And that's why you were created. And I don't know about you, but that lifts my self-worth a whole nother, to a whole nother level. And not only that, but it's reminding yourself that every single day. Reminding yourself that I am God's favorite creation. That I am worthy. I am beautiful in his eyes. And it's something that you have to choose every single day. Because you may know it and you may believe it, but you have to choose to live it out. And you have to choose to place your self-worth in the hands of God because he tells us to live in this world, but do not conform to it. And when we place the self our self-worth in the hands of this world and the hands of others, they're going to let us down. We're going to let other people down because the world is not perfect. God is. So our self-worth should be placed in a place where it is perfect and it's consistent. And that way, whenever something happens or whenever um, you go, maybe you go through a breakup or um, a lost friendship or you hear about it at work, you hear about someone hanging out without you or going to a party or whatever it may be and you weren't invited or you feel left out or you just feel like you are not worth it, like you are not worthy of love. Please, please, please remember that Christ died on that cross for you because he loves you and he said that you were worth it. And he said everyone in this world is worth it, not just if you believe in him. 
and I'm worth it, and you're worth it. And that's something we have to choose every single day. So my friends, when you are uninvited, when you feel that pain, whenever you feel that feeling of not being wanted, remember that God wants you, and you can never, this is, just get ready for this, you can never be uninvited from the kingdom of God. Everyone's invited, okay? That's awesome. It's amazing. And I think that's number one thing to keep in mind during times like this and whenever you do feel left out or uninvited or whatever it may be. And someone in the Bible that I felt God kind of calling me towards this week um, to represent this message was Joseph. So if you all would turn to Genesis 37 with me, we're going to read a little bit of Joseph's story. It's kind of a lengthy one, so stick with me. So if we start um, at the beginning of chapter 37, or yes, chapter 37. So Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers and the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zippah, his fathers and wives, and he his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He made an ornate robe for him, and when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. When, his, when he told his father and all his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down and bow to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So, Joseph's father favored him over all of his other brothers, and this, due to this, his brothers hated him. So, we're going to find out what happens next. In verse 12, now his brothers had gone to craze their, uh, oh sorry, his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as long as you know your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem, come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, go and see if all is well with your brothers and the flock and with the flocks and bring back the word to me. Then he said, Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I am looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I just heard them say, Let's go to to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance before they reached him, and they plotted to kill him. His own brothers. Keep that in mind. Verse 19, here, he, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take them back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe 
the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him in the water and threw him in the cistern. The cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled, pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben sent, returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. When he went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? They got Joseph's robe, slaughtered, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it and see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on a sackcloth, and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So, Joseph was not only hated, he was betrayed, he was supposed to be killed, but one of his brothers decided, oh no, let's just sell him as a slave. Joseph was completely uninvited from his family. His father thought he was dead, so his father wasn't looking for him. All of these things happened to Joseph. And later on, Joseph becomes favored by Potiphar until Potiphar's wife says, oh, he tried to sleep with me when he didn't. So he's thrown in jail. And then uh, Pharaoh finds out that he's able to interpret dreams. So he's favored by Pharaoh. And all of these things happen. And while all this happens, Joseph's worth was never degraded. God was, scripture continually tells us that God was with Joseph. Time and time again, God was constantly with him, even though he was being denied, hated, betrayed, uninvited. But God, every single time, every time that Joseph was let down or uninvited or betrayed, God had a plan for him. There was always a next step. There was always something that Joseph had waiting for him. And scripture doesn't exactly tell us exactly what Joseph was feeling, but I can only imagine the ways he felt after he was betrayed. But he kept his faith. He kept his faith in God. He kept his faith in his plan that he had for him. And my friends, that's the same thing that God's going to do for you, whether um, you've, again, gone through a breakup, losing friends, um, maybe you lost a job, and you're feeling just uninvited and not included, or whatever it may be. God has something waiting for you. There is some plan that he has for you. And this is all a part of it. And my friends, please remember that you can never, ever, ever be uninvited from this building or from the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, I just praise you um, for the blessings that you've put into this church and uh, just for keeping so many of us safe during this time. And I pray that you continue to do so and Um, next week when you bring all of us together, I just pray that your presence would be here um, and that everyone would feel invited and welcomed. And God, that you would just welcome all of us and hold all of us with your loving arms. 
and just be with everyone who is um, at home right now or watching from their phone or TV or whatever it may be, God, that you would just touch their hearts and be with them. Amen. So I've been, uh, I served my first church in 1983. That means uh, I'm going into 37 years here, getting ready to do a uh, 38th year of this. I have been in Santa Claus now for eight years. I'm beginning as of June, my eighth year here. So I've been here seven years. Uh, what a privilege. Here's the thing that I know about uninvited as, as a pastor of 37 years going from church to church. When you go into a community, uh, as we did here in Santa Claus, you can buy a house, you can buy property, but you can't buy relationships. You can't buy connection into the community. And anybody that has moved, I, I couldn't help Kinley, but, but chuckled to myself when, when you read the story because the name and the story that comes up, the area is called Dothan. And I go through Dothan every time I go to, to Panama City Beach. And I remember that Jim McAllister, who is uh, one of us here in Santa Claus, lived in Dothan and worked in Dothan. And I think about the Rudolphs who come from Alabama and, and Dothan is down there by them. So Dothan's that funny, uh, that funny connection there. But, but we know, just like you do, what it's like to go into a new community. And I'm talking we being pastors. We know what the struggle it can be to be invited, to feel invited, to feel a part of it. We can buy property, but we can't buy connection. We can't buy connection. One of the greatest gifts I got here in Santa Claus was I had not been here very long, and I got a call from Michael and Lauren. And they ask me, will you do our wedding? What a gift. I'm new. They don't know me. I don't know them. I'm not a local. There's the term, right? I'm not a local. Meaning, I'm not just a part of the traditions. I'm not a part of the fabric. I'm not a part of Santa Claus yet. And they asked me to do their wedding. What a, what a tremendous gift. Michael and Lauren... Uh, hear this from my heart that was one of the greatest first gifts that I ever got here in Santa Claus was to be able to go over to French Lick and and be a part of of uh, that marriage mark the second chapter verses 1 through 12 I'm not going to read it for you mark the second chapter verses 1 through 12 is a story about a man who was the epitome of uninvited in this world in, in that, Jesus, as an invited guest, he's a rabbi, he's noted, he's healing people. He's invited. He's invited into a house, and, and they're listening. And here is a story of a man that can't find his way up to the front. Why? Because the man's a cripple. Now, we know that, that the mindset of that day was that if there was something wrong with you physically... Kinley was saying that, that part of the thing that, that happens to us when we feel uninvited is we start looking at ourselves. What's wrong with me? Why doesn't, somebody, why doesn't somebody want to be my friend? Why didn't they want me to be at their party? This man was the epitome of uninvited in the world. He was a cripple. And the idea was, if you are born with a defect like that, or if you have a defect like that, that you have sinned. That there is something intrinsically wrong with you. 
And so no space is made for people like that. They don't get invited to sit with rabbis. They don't get invited to dinner parties. The best is we let them sit at the entrance to the church so that as we walk by, we can throw them some money and feel sorry for them. And this guy had four friends, and you know the story in Mark, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. They carry him up the stairs. Uh, In the houses back then, people, I've seen pictures of them with pulleys. That's not the way it happened. In upper rooms, there were outdoor staircases because the top of the house is where entertaining happened. They carried this man up these stairs, and and I've seen, I've heard this preached, and I've seen stories. They're they're crashing through the the roof. That's not what the houses look like in, in, in Palestine and in Judea of this day. There were clay tiles that were laid on top of each other on the, the flat roof of this home. And what these men did is they carried this, this crippled man up to the roof. They removed the tiles that they're going to put back afterwards. Then they take a rope and they lower the man down. When Jesus sees him, do you hear what he says? He knows what everybody's thinking. An uninvited guest has shown up to the party and to make it worse, he's a cripple. Jesus hits to the heart of it the very first thing. He looks at the man because can you imagine what that man felt like? Everybody's looking at him. Which are they more offended by? That he didn't have an invitation into the house or that a crippled man without an invitation dared to come into this house? The greatest question in this man's heart Am I being judged because I'm a cripple? And I know that being a cripple means that there is great sin in my life. And Jesus hits to the heart of it. Your sins are forgiven. And shockwaves go through the crowd. He's been healing people. They knew he could make Jesus, uh, Jesus could make this man stand up and walk. That's not the issue. That's why he got an invitation. That's why Jesus was in the house. It tells us in the first chapter of Mark, Jesus has been healing everywhere. He hasn't even called his disciples yet. He's just been out doing miracles. He gets an invitation to a house, but he doesn't tell the man to get up and walk. He hits to the root of the problem in this man's life, which is he feels uninvited in this world and Jesus says your sins are forgiven now the truth is the man needed his sins forgiven but the man wasn't a cripple because of his sins he may have been a cripple because of sin in the world but he wasn't a cripple because of his sins but what did the man need he needed somebody to say to him you're all right uninvited going into a new community you can't buy the traditions you can't buy connection but let me tell you what you can do let me tell you what you can do here's the phrase should have it printed up on the screen so you can write it down you can be patiently and persistently present You can be patiently and persistently present. You know what preachers learn? 
after 37 years, we learn that they're not going to accept you in a community until you've been there at least six years. And that's if you do everything right. Try making some mistakes and doing things wrong. Every time you do that, you start your six years over. I'm in my eighth year. I have finished seven. As of June, I finished seven. Can I tell you that every year, I am feeling more and more invited here at Santa Claus. Every year, I become more and more a part of your lives. Those of you who are not locals, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that are locals and have moved somewhere else and had to live somewhere else and then come back here, know that when you come back here, you take a deep breath. I'm home. Can I tell you that, that preachers... One of the greatest dreams that we have is going back and serving in the churches that we came out of. You know why? It's not because those churches are great. It's because you're a local. You own the traditions. You get to be a part of what was. You see, Santa Claus, your traditions have become my traditions. It's the story of the book of Ruth. Your people have become my people. Your traditions have become my traditions. What's important to you has become important to me. I'm at the point, can I tell you this? Thank you for this. What's important to me is becoming important to you. That's what it means to eventually be invited. How do you get there? This phrase. I believe you get there after 37 years of hammering away at this issue by being Patiently and persistently present. Lowered through the roof of a house. Where are you going to go? He can't get up and walk away. They're having to deal with him. Let's close with just a blessing. I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord would lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Go in peace. God bless. See you next week.